Hello, Great City family. Welcome to the first edition of the Extended Cut. I'm uh, Casey Olson, the Operations Director here at Great City Eugene. I'm here with Pastor Chris. How are you doing? Doing well, Case. Doing well. Excited for this. Me too. So the Extended Cut is uh, one of our several new podcasts that we're excited to roll out with this fall. Um, but this is one of our weekly episodes. So you'll get this every single Wednesday morning. And what this moment is, is basically an opportunity for us to dive a little deeper into our sermon content. We uh, so often when we're putting together sermons, there's so many contextual things we can't get to or that maybe don't have a lot of application when we're talking about um, the different directions that God leads us. Um, and then there's other application points that might come up too. And so uh, this is just kind of a means for us to get to dive a little deeper into our sermons. I actually advocated for the like deep dive or something like that, but the extended cut is pretty, it's pretty good. Pastor Chris had that one. So <laughs> excited for this. You have any other notes just as far as what folks can expect from this and uh, what we'll be diving into on Wednesdays? Yeah, I think the idea of this is there's, like Casey mentioned, there's things that we come upon when we're putting together uh, sermon series and individual sermons that maybe we just can't fit in the in the time frame that we have on a Sunday. Or maybe it's some really cool points, but they just don't fit with the flow of the message. And um, as, as I get to study these things, I'm like, man, that is really cool. I'd love to share that. And so this is a place where you may even get some some more kind of geeking out on a few things from time to time um, that may not fit in fully with the sermon on a Sunday, but that definitely help expand our, our knowledge of the, the cultural moment that was happening when these books were written and what they were speaking to at their time, and also then how that pertains to, to us right now. And so excited to have a, a means to, to share some of that stuff. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, let's get into it. But before we do, uh, this is your warning. If you've not gone and listened to Sunday's sermon, uh, this you should wait. Don't, don't dive into this. Hit pause. Uh, go listen to the most recent sermon on our podcast, our YouTube channel. It's from our Thriving in Babylon series titled, Who is in Control? So this is your warning. It's like the spoilers, YouTube review kind of thing. Uh, don't, don't continue on if you've not listened to the sermon. So uh, go do this. Uh, first off, we're just going to uh, we're going to recap the sermon a little bit. Been a couple days. Uh, what uh, what were we talking about this last weekend? Yeah, so this this week we introduced the series, obviously, and so there's a lot of context about the culture and the person of Daniel that that we unpack. So we talked about Daniel and how we don't want to miss like the main point of of his story and who he is and what that speaks to us that the person of Daniel and the story of Daniel is much more than a fiery furnace and some hungry lions. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, we also then talked about just Babylon and how, how bad it was. Yeah. And, um, you know, they had this egomaniac king who was a narcissist um, that Babylon in general just was known for its demonic influence. Um, the state-sponsored religion, if you will, was one that was demonic in nature and even the education system was uh, just inundated with witchcraft and the occult and sorcery, um, how it was extremely hostile to Daniel and his friends and what they uh, practiced spiritually. Um, we talked about how even the name changes and, and all of these things were indicative of trying to take away their identity and their God from yeah. them. And um, then we talked about how we can relate to that today. Yes. <laughs> and uh 
as much as we can relate to that. And we can often think like, oh, we have it so bad. Nobody's ever, you know, experienced these things before. Like, nah, Babylon is the personification of evil. And it has never been worse than Babylon. And so putting things into proper context. Um, and then kind of the main point and for us to take home from that is Daniel had established his entire lens of what was happening to him and the way he lived his life on the, the foundation that God was in control of who was in control. Mm-hmm. And um, so God as being sovereign, as being supreme, as all of these things that are wrapped into the Godhead that Daniel knew that. And that was a solid foundation that no matter what trials or sufferings he was going through, it's like, but God is in control. And so I can persevere with integrity and high character and in faith um, amidst all the things he's mm-hmm. going through. And I think that was where we really landed the plane is like, we need to reconcile as, as followers of Jesus. Where's our, where are we putting our hope for who's in control? Right. Um, in a party or a politician or in the God who created the universe. Right. And and just had a gut check moment at the end. Like, hey, can we admit that there's areas where we're not walking this out? We may be able to proclaim it with our mouth, but we're not pr- practicing it with our lifestyle. Yeah. And, uh, and ending at a place where we can come to terms with that so that we can move forward and study the rest of what the story of Daniel has for us. So. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, and I, I just think it's it's such a in, such a helpful lens for us to view our reality and in our modern society and age, I think um, in different times in in church history, you know, sometimes you relate more to Israel establishing like a promised land type thing where you have favor, where you have influence, where you are the one getting to set the cultural tone and attitude. And there's other times where you are no longer in the driver's seat and uh, you are uh, you know, at least on a societal level, you're kind of like a, a lower tier citizen um, because of your beliefs, because of your faith. And uh, that is a little bit more of what we find ourselves in. We're not we're not in the driver's seat. We're not operating some like cultural influential uh, like, you know, Jerusalem here, but we are in Babylon. And uh, that's that's going to have a different attitude as Christians. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the things that we wanted to dive into just as we kind of recapped, because like we said, there's just only so much time we can have on a sermon. Um, And we just kind of wanted to unpack the life of Daniel a little bit more. Um, Kind of look, uh, who was he and where is he going as we look uh, at at the book of Daniel named after him. So Daniel has a really fascinating life. Um, He was born into Judah's royal family, and many believe that he was likely a relative of King Zedekiah. Well, when Babylon besieged Jerusalem, they brought Israelites in as servants and slaves in these just different waves of uh, captivity. And one of the group of exiles were selected to serve in the king's service. Young men uh, who were without physical defects, they were very handsome, and they showed an aptitude for learning and understanding. They were kind of the like the brightest of the bunch. And um, Daniel was in this camp. Daniel was brought into Babylon uh, during one of these waves and was selected to serve in the king's service. And throughout his time in the king's service, he displayed incredible wisdom. He was uh, given the gift to interpret dreams for many of the kings, and uh, he became the right-hand man to these kings as well. 
He helped them find a cleaner diet that led to the king's service being healthier and stronger. Um, and he helped give direction and interpretation to some really interesting dreams, to say the least. Uh, though he was a great help for the kings of Babylon, there also were moments where he had to take a stand and remain faithful to following and honoring God and moments where commands would have led him to have to be disobedient to the way that God had set. Um, God not only protected him for doing what was right, but he actually ended up giving him favor so much of the time in these situations um, where he had to like blatantly disobey a law from the king or from the nation of Babylon, he ended up finding favor uh, with the Babylon kings, which was just such a cool aspect of his life to consider. You know, he didn't cave in order to please them, in order to uh, care for them or to find favor with them, but he actually remained faithful to God and he still ended up getting to do those things, which was really cool. And um, by the end of Daniel's life, he kind of just gets to be like this old man uh, who's had this history of caring for the kings of Babylon, who's been really a faithful friend, a leader. And um, he receives a lot of dreams and visions that would mark the end of Israel's exile in Babylon and uh, would give a roadmap for some of the other apocalyptic language that's picked up later in the New Testament. So that's kind of life of Daniel and, and where things are, are going with him. It's a really good flyover. I think it's really cool to see in his life that he didn't have to like manipulate his social situation to earn favor. Yeah. Um, that he relied on that, that foundation that we, we talked about, like he knew who was in control and as he honored God, like God protected and cares for him in that. Yes. And uh, I think it's going to be a fun thing to unpack the template for living that way. Um, in, like you said, a, a place where it is not socially advantageous to be a Bible-believing Christian yeah. in the United States. And I think there's a, a lot for us to, to glean from, from his example in that. Absolutely. And I, I'm sure over time throughout the series, we'll dive into that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple other resources you could look into. Uh, David Kinnaman wrote a great book called Good Faith. Um, that's, that's kind of all on this theme of how Daniel stood out. Um, as a, a faithful friend and leader in Babylon, but also somebody that knew where to draw the line and where to remain faithful to God. Grace City Corvallis did a series on this a while back too. You might be able to hunt it down. It's been quite a few years now. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, well, let's get into some questions. Um, these are going to be kind of some of the routine things that we work through. And then hopefully over time too, we'll refine this. We'll make this better. We'll think of other things to talk about as well. But Keep improving. Yes, always. Uh, so question number one for you, Pastor Chris. What was most difficult for you when you were putting together this passage this week? Well, strangely enough, as I mentioned a little bit in the Sermon Sunday, like as much as we've known for a year and a half, two years, that like, hey, we, we, need, to, we need to preach on, on this. Um, I think I find myself living the human experience in, the, in our current times and wanting to be able to make sure I have a heart check as to what I'm preparing and preaching. And so all the things that we are feeling and that we are seeing around us, like just because I'm putting together sermons doesn't mean I'm not dealing with my human emotions and my flesh and those things too. And so when putting together the sermon, trying to remain like where I'm viewing it from a place of biblical integrity, not 
insecurity or some sort of other lens that that we can often put on things. Um, and also there's just so much in the Bible and so much in Daniel um, that goes into this theme of thriving in a, in a Babylon or in exile or whatever terms you want to put to it that um, there's just so much to be said in yeah. trying to wrap my mind around it. But I think if I'm honest, like it's it's just it can be challenging to remove yourself from whatever things you are feeling about your current situation to preach and teach truth foundational like um and we have to confront that on any given week um but as as you read through this and you study what babylon was like it's like oh there's so many (laughs) correlations that it's just it's uncanny yeah um and so just really wanting to make sure that we preserved integrity in what God wanted to say and not put any of our own like fleshly spin on it is yeah. is something that I, I really wanted to, to guard against. And I'm, I'm human, so it can be tough. Yeah. But yeah, that was that was an interesting part of it. Now, it's real, too, just because this is such a big conversation point in Christianity over the past mm-hmm. few years. And you can think about work the Bible Project's done on this topic and uh, like Bridgetown Church, really influential in our region. And um, there's there have been a lot of conversations on this. And I imagine it can be pretty difficult sometimes to want to contextualize something. What is God trying to speak through a text, uh, through a topic and to our community, not just wanting to go out there and spew a whole library of things that you could on this topic? Yeah. Yeah, I think since the pandemic started, there has been no shortage of faith over fear sermons. And since political and social unrest, there has been no shortage of the United States isn't Jerusalem, it's Babylon. There's been no shortage of this exile um, theme. And as much as that is true, um, I'm grateful that God led us to a place of viewing it through a lens, not of combat, but of redemption. Yeah. And so I don't have to muster up enough faith to overcome the fear and the anxiety I'm feeling, but I just need to get down to the the root of like Daniel's story and how he perseveres through hope, humility, and wisdom, Mm -hmm. not in like fighting and feeling like he's got to fight for himself, but knowing who does fight for him. And so um, there are a ton of... (laughs) narratives, sermon series, books, all these things out there. But I'm grateful that we're approaching this from a a lens of let's be a redemptive thread in this yeah. rather than a combative one. Yeah. And I think that is is hard to come by, unfortunately, right now. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for that too. Well, the second question, uh, what brought the most joy in mm. this? Uh, what, what was really inspiring, <clears throat> exciting for you as you were considering sharing this message with her church? Yeah. Nobody ever asked me that question about when I'm putting together a sermon series. Um, I think it wasn't a direct correlation, but what really brought me joy is the fact that I had to reconcile these truths in my own soul yeah. before I can preach them. And the joy of like, God's in control of who's in control. Yeah, like, He's got this. He's brought his people through far worse. Like, And I'm not sitting here every day. Like It can sound like as I'm talking about this, I'm just... Oh, this world is so hard. Like, that's not my posture, but it's the reality of what, how people and those that I get the honor of pastoring can view the world or at least circumstances that happened throughout the last few years. And so 
whether or not that is my heart posture, condition, or fear, it is one that because of the calling God's given me that I, I take on, at least on the behalf of plenty of others. And I do have these, these yeah. things myself. And so getting to preach this to myself to prepare my heart to impart this to my community actually brought me joy because, I mean, any of this stuff you go through, the Bible, every time you read it, it gets you, right? Yeah. And so um, it's just been a a fresh rejuvenation of where my roots yeah. are, where my hope is, who is in control. And with so many things spinning out of control, yet as a leader, people look to me to try to control it, to just be like, like not in some like, ah, I'm just passing this off, but hey, we're good because yeah. my boss has got this, yes. right? Like. Yes. The guy I work for, the guy I serve, like, it, he's got this. And that is just refreshing. And it's just like the word says, like, you experience the joy of your salvation. Right. Like, the one who saved me is infiltrating my heart with joy as I uh, prepare this stuff. So, And I just think there is something to remembering and reflecting on those foundational truths about something like God's sovereignty. Like, it's kind of one of those things that we can just kind of take for granted that like we just don't ever really take the time to sit in and and consider the implications. And I imagine when you're prepping, you know, probably six to ten hours a week for a sermon on something like this, like you you begin to feel the weight of that again, yeah. and and it, it hits you in a in a different way, yeah. a way that I I wish we could all like sit back and and really spend some time to consider the implications because it's it's a, a weighty truth that once upon a time changed our life yeah. that uh, can really sometimes just kind of feel like this redundant theme to not dive too deep into. Yeah, we can often like communicate verbally the attributes of God yeah. that are so important, like cosmically important. But we're just, oh yeah, he's this and he's this and he's this. And it's like, okay, how does that play out in your life? Right. Beyond being able to say it, how is that applied in a way that shows you believe it? And yeah. you, you really have to do a gut check with some of this yeah. stuff. Because we have no business bringing Jesus into Babylon if we're not reliant on him, his power, his spirit, and the cultures of who God mm -hmm. is. And so we need, to, we need to know that stuff. That's good. Well, let's get into a fun question here. Uh, were there any contextual details or... Uh, themes or anything else that that stood out as interesting or notable in your research this week that uh, maybe didn't quite fit in the sermon or you just didn't have time to address? I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a ton of things. Um, the story of Daniel is just like, it's robust. Yeah. And, and then it's not just contained within Daniel. You have Things pointing back to Isaiah, right? You have things, Revelation 18, that's, that's quite, it's just, it's all over the place. And it's a lot of prophetic, what some people call apocalyptic, like, literature. Um, but so much of it helps to inform the broader context of what's going on. And that's what was inherently one of the challenging things about this is, like, to fully understand Babylon and this story, you can't just, oh, I'm going to go expositorily go through a few verses of Daniel. It's like, no, it's, it draws from yeah. so many places. Um, you know, a, a couple things specifically stuck out to me. We'll, we'll see how this goes. But one of them that it could have fit in the sermon, but just for the sake of time, we didn't go there, is 
It seems like a lot of people today, in at least in a generational sense, you can see people who identify strongly with a generation will communicate like, oh, I wish we were back in the good old days when, when I was this age or my, the greatest generation. Um, and we won't throw out political slogans, but this has been a rhetoric <laughs> of the good old days. What happened to the good old days? And I think it's human nature to to remember things very fondly from the past because everything in our present is so in our face. Um, but the eagles and evils, not eagles, evils and, and the struggles of the past seem to fade from our memories as we progress through time, while the injustices and the evils of the present stand out so vividly. And I think that's maybe why Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 7, he says, do not say, where were the old or why were the old days better than these? For it's not wise to ask such questions. Like, don't always just think like, oh, the old days were so much better. It's never been easy to live a godly life. Yeah. And there are generations, groups, and geographical regions of people in our nation. They're saying, I just wish it was like it was right. here, or, you know, and maybe socioeconomically. Um, ethnically or geographically, there have been pockets where the preference lent itself more to what we believe. But living a godly life has never been easy. It might have been more comfortable or maybe, you know, we kind of view things through different lens where we didn't understand the reality of, of the battle that was going on. Yeah. And I think the pressures and the challenges we face today may be daunting, but they're nothing new. Yeah. And to wrap our minds around that, like, they were just nothing new. We aren't facing some unique thing. It may look different. It's packaged differently. It uses different wrapping paper due to media and technology and all that. But I, from what I understand, it was pretty tough in the first century yeah. to, to be a Jesus follower, right? To live a godly life. Uh, from what I understand, it's still incredibly dangerous in places like Iran, Saudi Arabia, China, plenty of other places. Like, this isn't new. Yeah. And uh, I think we need to recognize that those of us who take scripture seriously um, are often written off as ignorant, narrow-minded bigots in America today. Like that's the reality of what some people would refer to us as. And it is becoming increasingly common to be discriminated against for simply articulating biblical values. But I think we need to be honest with ourselves that we've got it very easy compared to people living in other places and that have lived in other times. And, um, People following Jesus in other parts of the world would, <laughs> like, this would be as comfortable as they could ever yes. imagine anything. Yes. And so I just think putting things into proper context, um, a lot of people in our nation and Christians have thrown out the word persecution and, and all of these things. And like, where well, yes, there are things that we get, people come against us and we've maybe seen resistance in a new way, but I'd just be really careful to use yeah that word. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not illegal to pray here. Right. We can own a Bible. We can utter Jesus's name in public without the fear of being tossed in jail or, or killed. And when we refuse to bow down to the idols of our culture, we might lose our job. We right. might lose some friends, but we won't lose our lives. Right. And uh, I find that preparing the sermon series, going through this material, reading the book of Daniel, looking at the theme of exile in the Bible gives us really good perspective. Yeah. And there are still a lot of things that we need to be grateful for. Yes. Um, yes. In our world. And I think this is why Daniel's story is so important is 
it doesn't just give us a template to live by, but it gives us perspective. Yeah. And it gives us biblical perspective, not just historical or sociological perspective. Like it gives us a biblical perspective of what God is doing as he is redeeming the world to him. And, um, when it comes to evil, like Babylon had no equal, yeah. right? And that perspective is important. Um, and so I think that is something that is worth really reconciling in our own hearts as, as we get into this. And, um, you know, for the sake of time, we had to really kind of just sh- shallow end of the pool yeah. on that topic. But I think it's worth giving some honest contemplation of where, where are we settled individually with that reality? Yeah. No, that's so true. I and mean, it's like uh, my guy Andy Minio said in a song once, new levels, new devils. Like yeah. every context is going to kind of have its own unique way of how it plays out. But it doesn't mean that it, a different time was better or mm-hmm. worse than another. Like um, times where it was more favorable to be a Christian in society. Just the the temptations and the uh, societal issues just look different. Mm-hmm. It's it doesn't mean it was any better. It just means they had to face different devils for that season. And as as time shifts and as seasons change, like we just end up facing different things. And so uh, that that's a really good thought. I really like that. Yeah, I think the other thing that came up, and uh, this is a little more on the nerd out word study side of things, uh, but was this whole concept of Daniel and his friends becoming eunuchs to Mm. be a part of this governmental position and that like Babylon, like the king, Nebuchadnezzar, as he brought them into this three-year like program, right, to get educated and learn their, all their language and their literature and everything, that part of that process was literally castration. And we don't have a category for that and to, to understand that. And like, as I'm studying that, it was, it's profound in the emasculation of these guys, but also how it further perpetuates just the narrative of Babylon, stripping them of their identity, their God, their future, their legacy, like all of that. And, um, you know, to, to the Jewish culture, to these folks, like your family line was a huge deal. And, so much of your hope for the future, what you passed on, what you even lived your life to raise up a family to continue. Um, the legacy was just taken from them. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so there's there's some really unique word studies on, on this kind of thing because it gets into the word for eunuch can also be used as governmental leader. Mm. But then as it comes back into Isaiah, when it talks to who the groups of people that come out of exile it refers to specifically the eunuchs that would come out and it's like why does that matter chris like why why are you bringing this up he got some some weird like infatuation with the word study but i think what's cool about it is what it speaks to people who are hurting and struggling because of their inability to have offspring to have a family line and how so many people struggle with that, yet in the church they are marginalized or thought to not be as important because that is something that isn't talked about as much in the church. Singles and folks without kids don't get all the sermon illustrations and the focus. And like, I'm guilty of that because my life is four daughters, marriage, church, like, 
And naturally, what is going to come out of me are illustrations from my lived experience. Yeah. So I have to work hard to find other ones because most of my single life aren't illustrations that belong in church. <laughs> um, so I think it's amazing that this picture, and again, there is so much more that you could dig into oh, yeah. here, but that the Bible addresses this through through different places that God can redeem and use and make good out of that. And Daniel was no less of a man. His legacy spiritually meant no less. When you look at how he's referred to in Hebrews and other places of the Bible is like in a partnership as one of the three great like men and followers and ambassadors of Jesus, men of integrity, that that was not based on his ability to produce offspring. Mm. And I I just found that super encouraging because I have friends and I've had family members who have just really struggled in that area. And I think the church can always do better at plenty of things. Um, but I think that is good news that he is held in high esteem, even though that was something that was not yeah. a part of him and his friend's life. And that's just a really small piece yeah. of that. But I praise God for those little nuggets when you dig in. Because at first it was just a... Was he really a eunuch, right? Like, let's dig into this. And then it brought up this whole other thread of like, whoa, this redemptive part about that, that to our culture and to like the people that God's given me the honor to walk in relationship and pastor, it's like, that's really good news. Yeah. Yeah. And I know this just barely brushes into that, but um, that's why we got to study this stuff, man. Like get in your Bibles because... That stuff doesn't just come from reading a verse for face value. That yeah. comes from understanding the heart and character of God through the entire narrative. Yeah. So I'm grateful for things like that. No, that's but so good. That's another thing that didn't fit into Sunday and would have been awkward. But yeah, I love it. Um, yeah, I love it. All right. Well, as we wrap up here, uh, one of the last things that we want to do in this time is we want to ask the question: What's next? What can we look forward to this coming Sunday? Hmm. What can we look forward to this coming Sunday? Well, I short little teaser here. Um, we're going to talk about trials, hardship, and suffering. Mm. The fun stuff. The fun stuff. And let me put it this way. In the school of life, right? If we look at life as, as a school, if you will, trials, hardship, and suffering are three classes nobody wants to take. Um, you'd have to be like a psycho to sign up for those classes yeah. or just super holy. Um, but the reality is they're necessary. Yep. They are very necessary. Uh, frankly, trials, hardship, and, and suffering weren't always necessary, but a couple folks named Adam and Eve passed in a, or failed an exam pretty miserably, and um, ever since, these things have been a part of the human experience in our life, in their curriculum, if you will, that we all have to take. Mm-hmm. And so this week, we're going to be taking a step back and looking at the important role of hardships and trials in preparing us for the spiritual battle that we're engaged in. We're going to see that they serve many purposes, and God uses them for some very specific things. To thin the herd, to separate genuine from the counterfeit, to expose our hidden spiritual weakness. Mm. It's a fun one. And to awaken our dormant strengths. Mm. And so um, these are all foundations upon which hope, humility, and wisdom rise. But we're going to talk about how these classes, if you will, prepare us for the spiritual battle and what they reveal um, as we walk through them. Mm. So. All right. I can't wait. Me neither. All right. (laughs) 
Well, thanks for tuning in with us for our first edition of the Extended Cut here. If you're listening on uh, Spotify or on Apple Music, do us a favor, uh, give us a rating, leave a review if you're on Apple Podcasts. That'll help us out here as we uh, put a little bit more love and attention into our podcast channels. And if you're on YouTube, leave a like, uh, comment something, send it to a friend. That's that's probably more. I mean, the algorithm stuff's one thing, but like yeah. the heart of this is that it would be uh, helpful and inspiring. And so like the algorithm stuff, whatever, you know, that, that will happen. But uh, we just, we want this to be useful content for, for you, for your family, for people in your life. And so uh, if, if you do anything with this, share it with somebody that you think would be helpful. But uh, we're grateful for this time and we uh, look forward to seeing you next time.